So, side note, this is technically the lineup podcast, but it's also going to be part of Terps Talking, which is a podcast we are doing for the University of Maryland. Um, going forward, that will just be student athletes, me and another student athlete, talking about what it means to be a Terp and what it means to go to Maryland and different experiences that have helped them um, just grow and shape their experiences. So, moving forward, it will be student athletes, but today we get the perspective of a pro. Without further ado, this is Dr. Michelle Garvin. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming back to the lineup podcast. Today I have Dr. Michelle Garvin. She is the director of clinical sports psychology at the University of Maryland. And I have been so lucky to work closely with her in the last, what is it, year and a half, almost two years now. Um, and I am so excited to have her today. She is so smart and great at what she does and helped me a lot through my recovery and my ACL journey. Thanks, Lizzie. Happy to be here talking with you today. I'm excited about our conversation. Me too. A lot of people kind of ask me through Instagram and through different platforms, kind of about my journey specifically and what I've learned. So we could start talking about how we kind of got involved. <laughs> well, and I think we're going to flip the script a little bit today and that I'm going to be the one asking you a lot of questions. And I yeah. know a lot of your other podcasts, you're the one asking questions. So I think everyone's going to love hearing from you and hearing about your journey. Yeah, I'm excited to do that. That'll be good. Well, why don't you just start us off by telling us a little bit about what your ACL journey and injury journey has been like and what, what the challenges have been through that process for you? Um, my ACL journey was different. It was um, especially hard for me because at the time when I tore my ACL, I was playing at the highest level. Um, I just come off a national championship and a pretty good personal season, and I was playing for Team USA, and within like a blink of an eye, my ACL was torn and pretty much my future as I knew it was kind of just like in shambles. Um, I didn't really see too much further than playing for US and trying to earn a spot on that team. And um, my senior year in college was right around the corner. Um, I was studying abroad in two weeks. I was leaving for Spain in two weeks. So it was just kind of like I wasn't seeing much further um, outside of US and Spain. Um, and then in that instant, kind of everything just was rattled and was shook and it took me probably a few weeks to kind of get my head back on straight and decide if this is something that I really wanted to do. I remember I was sitting there and I was just having a lot of conversations with coaches and friends and my mom and my dad and just kind of being like, you know, I'm not young. I'm at the end of my career. I'm a senior. I'm going to be a senior in college. Maybe this is just it for me. Maybe I don't take my fifth year. I had a good career. I'm again, off a national championship. I could just be done and probably be content. Um, but it only took like maybe one time saying that out loud for me to realize that that's just not really who I am and not what I was looking to do and how I wanted to end my career. So I decided to go through with the surgery and then just be completely bought in and start my recovery as soon as possible. Um, I had to wait a few weeks to get the surgery though, because my meniscus was also torn and they wanted to heal. Oh, and my LCL or PCL, I can't remember, but um, they wanted to heal this up a little bit before I got under the knife. So I waited around until July 3rd. Um, and then it was recovery from there. Well, and for those who don't know, what does a typical ACL recovery time look like? And what's that timeline normally like for people like hearing about this process? So it's a little bit different for everyone. Um, some people are six months, some people are eight months, some people take a little bit longer than eight and go 12, which is totally fine. There's no right or wrong answer. Mine honestly took 12 because I wasn't rushing to get back and I didn't really have 
any game or practice I was trying to get back for. So I took my full 12 months. Um, but there's, there's no right or wrong. Again, I about, I think it was like seven months in the process. I had another surgery. They went back into the same knee and, um, cleaned it up, took out some scar tissue. Um, and so that slowed my recovery a little bit, but I wasn't again in a rush to get back. So it didn't really hinder my recovery too much, but it looks different for everyone. So I know a lot of people compare their recoveries and it's a natural part of ACL or any injury, um, recovery. I think the biggest part about the timeline is not to compare it and not to look at your friends or someone, you know, and say, Oh, well, they're back in five months. They're running in three months. They're doing this. Um, they can get this much bend. It's your journey and it's your timeline and it's special to everyone. So I think whether it's 12 months or it's six months, it's all the same. It sounds like you're really speaking from experience there and making the suggestion, don't compare. And, um, it's your own journey. Um, thinking about that, like in the mindset that it must take to go through this recovery process, can you tell us a little bit about what your mindset was like kind of in the beginning and maybe at different times throughout the process? And, you know, you said 12 months is a long time. Yeah. Well, we kind of talked about a little in the beginning, my mindset, not good. I, it was bad. Um, and then even the first few months of rehab, well, Physically, I was locked in. I was going to PT every day, but mentally, I don't know that I was locked in. I was kind of, you know, sitting on a table and not feeling like an athlete. And I was disconnected from my friends. And it was summer and they were all getting in the ocean. And I was just very, very disconnected from my friends. So physically locked in, but mentally, the first few few months were really, really tough. And then when I got back to school, it only got harder. Um, I thought it would be easier, but it got a little harder because then getting around campus was hard. And my friends were going out and doing things that I couldn't do. And I felt like I had to ask them for help a lot. And then we're practicing and I'm not practicing. And that's when I started to see you because I spiraled a little bit there and I just kind of lost touch with people. Not, I mean, they did it, but like, I felt like I was losing touch with people and things that I loved and things that like helped me make me who I was. Um, So that's when I, that's when I first started to notice the mental shift. Um, And so I would say probably like month two, was notably hard for me. Um, and then after seeing you a few months, a few times, like I, again, I saw that second shift and I saw that like light and I saw the support and I just found different ways to go about my daily routines that weren't as easy for me as I used to be. And so my second shift in mentality probably came at month three ish where I was like, okay, here's my role. I'm finding my steps. Like I'm finding people around me who understand and who can talk me through it. And then season time comes and we're playing um and I'm not suiting up for a game for the first time in ever in any like sport or season and that was another shift and then you know we weren't playing great and I'm a captain and I just kind of felt like I wasn't doing my job because the team's losing but how can you do your job when you can't play so there's my third shift my third shift came during the season um and again still seeing you talking to other injured athletes, um, trying to keep it in perspective. And then at this point I'm at the end of my recovery. So physically I'm feeling good physically. I'm like ready to go. Um, the last step was just mentally staying checked in and staying, you know, present. And I think that that came honestly, when the season ended, I was present, but I wasn't completely present. I was frustrated that I wasn't helping my team and then season ended. And I was just like, hold on. Like, anything could be taken for me. Um, my teammates know, like that was really, really tough for people who didn't even have injuries. Um, just the season ending. And so knowing that anything could be taken from me just kind of gave me 
I guess, what is this, my fourth shift. And that's when, that's when I kind of got the mindset that I have today about just like the recovery process. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have my shifts or my timeline or my mental states any other way. I think that they, I mean, they're challenging and they're not fun to sit there and like be sad. And it's not fun to sit there and be vulnerable with you and tell you how I'm actually feeling. Um, when it comes to being upset, I'm not good at that. Anyone who knows me knows I'm, that's not my thing. Um, so it's not always fun, but having those shifts and those different experiences throughout the year, I think was the biggest thing for me. Well, and so you talk about it, it's really not a linear process. It's not like, okay, I've accepted that I'm injured and here I go and I'm, I'm on this path and it's just always continuing to move forward. There's a lot of different things that impacted how you were feeling along the way. And you identified some like changes in the season, coming back to school, season starting, all of those things were really critical moments for you. You mentioned a bunch of times that you talked to other injured athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like for you and how, how did that feel in the process? So that was something that you actually organized through our team. I, I don't, was it other teams too, or yeah. the one we were part of the sister team. I've done it with other teams in the past uh-huh. too, but yeah, we had a crew there. Like, sadly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was my first time doing anything like that. It was an injured athletes group and it was just probably was eight of us maybe um, just sitting there. And we would first of all, sit down and say like our successes for the week. And that was something that was really special to all of us. And not easy at times. Sometimes I would go in there. I didn't feel like I had any successes. I didn't feel like I was getting anything done in PT or even in the classroom or on the field, obviously. So coming up with a success on, it was not easy every day, but it was a good way to start. And it was good because you had people around you who'd be like, oh no, Liz, like, remember, like you bent further than you did last week or remember, like you got an A on your exam. So it was easy or it was good to have those people standing next to you that were like, hyping you up and they were there for you and they could kind of remind you like, okay, I am progressing. So we do successes and then we would do challenges like anything in life, um, injury or not, there are challenges always. So those are a little easier to come up with, especially when you're, you know, looking outside and watching your team run around. Um, it felt like those were easier to come up with. Um, and then we would just kind of talk and we would just say how we were all feeling. And it was, again, it was a nice space to be vulnerable with people. Um, And it was a nice way to just kind of take those relationships to the next level. I think that if I didn't have that chance with girls on the team, I don't know that I would be as close to them as I am today. And I don't know that I'd be able to relate to them on a way that I do now. So that was something that I really, really appreciated at the time. I didn't think it like that always. Um, Some days I'd be like, okay, like this is, you know, helping. But other days it's just, it's not where you want to be, honestly, because nobody wants to be injured. Um, but I was really thankful for that injured athletes group and I really looked forward to it. And it was something that when you left that group, you just felt so much better and you felt reset and you were ready. I think we did on like Tuesdays maybe. So it was like early in the week and you, you were just ready for the week and you were ready to just kind of take on anything. You're like, yeah, like I did have a success and I am going to have challenges, but here's how I'm going to like tackle them. And then we also did mindfulness stuff. So we did, we practiced just a lot of mindfulness and kind of thinking and breathing and coming to terms with our emotions. And I think that was something that I really learned to appreciate and I've carried on throughout this past year. Well, and I think you've hit on this a little bit, but what are some of the things that you might say to friends, teammates, other athletes who are experiencing injuries who may not have an injured athlete group or many other people that they know going through a similar process? What would, what would you say or recommend to them? First, I would say that 
it's not just a sport. I think for me, the biggest thing is I would, I wasn't allowing myself to feel upset because I, I thought it was just a sport or I thought people go through much worse things. Like there's no way that I should feel this way because there's worse things happening. But as athletes, it's something that defines us for so long and you put so much time into it. And it's essentially like your life, especially at this level. And so it's not just a sport. I think that's the first thing to remember is it means whatever it means to you and you can't compare it to anyone else. Um, But I think just finding that support system, being vulnerable and talking with friends. And even if it's just crying or going out to eat, going to get ice cream, however you can take your mind off things and make yourself feel a little bit better, um, taking advantage of that. And again, something I'm not great at is crying. (laughs) I don't like do it often. I'm not great at it. Like I'm not, I don't allow myself to like get to that point, if that makes sense. But it's okay. Like it's okay to cry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to hit a pillow, scream at a pillow. Like, I don't know. It's just, there's so many different ways to go about it. You really just have to find what works for you and just kind of relying on the people around you, relying on the friends. And if you don't have those injured athletes, um, groups at school and stuff like that, there are a lot of resources. So I know something that got me through is the ACL club. And it's a club that just provides resources and doctors and sports psychologists and um, merchandise and videos, anything you can think of to kind of like help and give you a little bit more of an idea of what you're going through. That was something that I got myself onto. And then a few of my teammates who are also going through the same thing. And then I'm an ambassador currently for Morgan's message, which is a nonprofit organization, which just like, it's trying to get rid of the stigma surrounding, um, mental health and athletes and just being okay with not being okay, which again, a year and a half ago, I didn't really realize that it was okay to not be okay. And it's okay to go through things. And so that group of people is just kind of an outlet and we provide resources for student athletes kind of going through whatever they go through, whether it's an injury or not, um, just providing those outlets. Wonderful. And you, you, you hit on something where you really, it sounds like learned how to ask other people for support and ask other people for help. And that's one of the things I talk a lot with injured athletes about is when, when you're injured, people can see that you need help. Right. And there's some things you just flat out can't do if you don't ask someone, right. So in the early on in the process, you can't carry your dinner plate to the sink by yourself because <laughs> you've got your crutches and you can't balance it. And, um, and so I, I oftentimes suggest like using this as an opportunity to learn to ask for support in life. That's a really great skill that I think a lot of times athletes have trouble with because you're so good at being the best. You're so good at doing things on your own. And if it's not working, working harder to make it get where you want it to be. And so, um, it sounds like you, that's something you really picked up on through this injury process, but not just asking for the physical help that you needed carrying things or getting from point A to point B, but asking for the support that you might've needed emotionally and mentally as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that again, it didn't hit me right away. I kind of was standoffish to the idea. I never really thought I needed it. And I don't even think that had I not told me so freshman, sophomore year, I don't even think I really knew about sports psychology. I wasn't, we didn't have like the outlets or the resources provided to us early in my, not that I can remember early in college. And then come junior and senior, I was hearing a little bit more about it, but sadly it took until my ACL tear to really buy in and get fully invested. And obviously it's what I want to do now. So it really, really worked for me. And I think that it's something that it really is just, it's kind of a cliche saying, but it is just okay to be not okay. And it's okay to go through things. And I think that asking for help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. Um, 
I don't think that I would have, I know I wouldn't have gotten through this without you. Um, I know that there were days that I was just like, I can't do like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be around anyway, anyone. And then just sitting down with you and having honest conversations and leaving that room and being like, okay, I can do this. I remember like writing things down being like, here's what we're going to do for the week. Even if it's just asking for help two more times than I did before, or even if it's just being honest with my coaches saying, I'm not feeling okay today. I remember my coach, um, she was like, how are you doing? And I was like, good. Like I'm doing well, like smiling, like, you know, and then she was like, no, honestly, like, how are you doing? I broke down. I just started absolutely bawling. And I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing well. I don't want to be here. I, I can't do this. And that was a moment that I don't think before seeing you, I would have let myself do. I would have been like, fine, fine. And just buried it, buried it until probably would come out of my mom or like my boyfriend or my friends in a way that like, it just didn't have to happen. Um, and that was something that was huge. I remember we talked about a lot was just kind of like not putting it aside until my poor little mom sitting there being like, what do you want for dinner? And I'm like, I can't believe you would ask me what I want for dinner. That's so rude. <laughs> like, it's just getting ahead of it and thinking before, um, it's, you know, it's bottled up and it's just way harder. Well, and, and you have talked a lot today about like working together. And so for those of who, those who might be listening, who don't know what a sports psychologist could do or a clinical psychologist could do to help support, like from your perspective as a student athlete, what, how do you see that role? I first of all, respect it a lot. I love the role of sports psychology. And again, it's what I'm trying to get into. So I can't think speak highly enough about it. I'm really excited. I don't think I've ever said I'm excited for school. I am so excited to start grad school because I think what you guys do is incredible. And I think as a, from the point of view of a student athlete, just that safe space and knowing that it's okay to go in there and just say how you feel, even if it's like, did that actually just come out of my mouth? Like, did, did I just think this? like, it's just allowing yourself to just be and just feel in a way that, you know, on the field, we're supposed to be tough. And we are, we're very tough people and we're very strong. We've been through a lot and every day we're fighting to get better on the field. And I don't see why off the field, we're not taking the same standards or giving ourselves the same attention. Um, our mind needs to rehab every single day. You go to rehab. Big thing for me is like, I go to rehab every day. As, like Ali Bull and I have spent so much time together, just working on my knee and strengthening my legs and the same thing goes for my mind. I don't see why, or any athlete, like the same thing. I don't see why you wouldn't strengthen your mind. Why wouldn't you work on things that could help you on the field? And part of that is your mind. And part of that is making sure you're in a good headspace. And it'll translate onto the field. I think a lot of people, and even, um, again, people who haven't been through injuries or haven't been through serious things, it's just a good resource. And if, especially at the college level, if you have the resource, you should use it. If you feel like you have good mental health, awesome great amazing but why not use the resources and get better you have a good knee that's okay great awesome let's use the resources of the training room and still get stronger get faster get fitter and the same thing goes for your mind so i think again i can't speak highly enough of sports psychologists and i think just that opportunity as an athlete to be vulnerable is few and far between and i think it's a great space well, and I, I love your point, Lizzie, that you just made of like, there could be something wrong. Great. Use the resources. But there also doesn't have to be something wrong. Just yeah. get better. Right. And so there doesn't have to be something that you need to get better from. Everyone can improve. And so mm -hmm. kind of using the resources you have mm -hmm. um, to kind of find that edge. Definitely. Definitely. And I think as athletes, like we're always looking for a way to get better. And a lot of people just kind of forget about the mental part of it, which again, before sophomore, junior year, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it either. But um, 
just, yeah, using those resources. It's not embarrassing. It's not a problem. Um, taking advantage of it. Awesome. Well, and so kind of thinking about just, we've talked a lot about injury and focused a lot on injury. What are some things that you have found as easy ways or easy tips that you might have for others just to help your overall mental health, improve your mental health on a daily basis? Yeah. So I love hanging out with my friends. I'm a very social person. So I think being surrounded by people helps me take my mind off things. Um, First and foremost, if I can't get around people or everyone's doing homework or COVID times, no one can hang out. Um, music is a really good way for me. I love listening to music and I love um, finding new music and stuff like that. And then journaling and cooking are probably my top four or five, whatever that was. Um, I, I just think those are the best ways for me kind of to take my mind off of it. And journaling, honestly, is a way that I can take my mind off of it, but also attack it head on. So if I know that I'm not feeling well and music's not really doing it and I kind of need to get those thoughts out on paper, that's where I, that's where I'll journal. So just writing in that journal and writing down all kind of like I would do if I was sitting with you, just writing down my thoughts and just saying, here's how I'm feeling. Here's why I feel this way. Here's how I'm going to, you know, make these changes. Here's what I'm going to do tomorrow to prevent it. Um, and so it's just kind of like, depending on what I need that day, I know if I need to write it down or if I need to approach them journaling. And then if, if I want to kind of avoid them or I feel like it's just something that I need to listen to a little music or cook some good food too. That's good too. I think that's great. Well, and I think it just highlights that like there might be some things that you enjoy that aren't great coping mechanisms for you when yeah. you're, um, when you're, when you're struggling and then everyone's going to find their own things, right? Mm-hmm. For some people, yeah. cooking's great. For other people, it might be playing an instrument. And so mm-hmm. just recognizing that knowing what your arsenal of resources are mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend the other day and she was saying, um, she's going through an injury right now. And she was just kind of saying that when she gets home, like she doesn't want to talk to anyone and she goes to her room and that's just, that's how she does it. And at in the beginning, her roommates were kind of like, well, why is she like so standoff? I was like, what's wrong with her? And she was just kind of like, Hey guys, like I'm, this is just how I'm going to deal with it. This is for me, this is the best way because like, if not, it might end up like I, like I was talking to my mom on the phone, like screaming, like it might end up badly. She was like, so for me, I'm going to separate myself. Um, I need to go to my room pretty much every day and just kind of reset and then we'll talk. So for me, it was, I have to be surrounded by friends because I know that's what's going to work. And for her, it was, I need to separate myself from friends for a few minutes and then, um, come back with my head on straight. So that's to your point of just, everyone's going to be different. And some people might not like to cook or some people might prefer baking. I don't like baking. (laughs) I can't do the precision of baking, but some people might prefer it. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I really appreciate you sharing with everyone today, kind of your process and really being vulnerable and open. Is there anything else that you feel like you want? Um, I think the biggest thing is just knowing that everyone's journey is different. And I know we talked about this in the beginning, but not comparing your journey or your feelings to anyone else. Um, that was something that I struggled a lot with. And I would look at people and I'd say, oh my gosh, like they have it so much worse than you than I do. Or, oh my gosh, like she's really complaining about a sore thumb. Like that's crazy. But it's like everyone's journey is different. Everyone's going to be reaching their goals at different times and going through different and similar things and how they approach it and their journey. You just can't compare it. You just kind of have to take it day by day and reach those goals one by one. And then things will fall into place. And again, just surrounding yourself and taking advantage of the resources you have, whether it's a sports psychologist, friends, the ACL club, Morgan's message. There's so many resources out there that people can um, 
use these days that'll really, really help. And I think that's really important. Wonderful. I think that's a lot of good stuff for people to hear about, especially if they're going through injuries themselves. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me. And I think that again, sports psychologist is an amazing, amazing thing. And Dr. Garvin, you've been so helpful through this last two years. Um, and again, I don't think I could have done it without you. So thank well, you. Well, the field of sports psychology is going to be so lucky to have you one day. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. So that was the lineup podcast with Dr. Michelle Garvin. So thank you, Dr. Garvin, again for coming out. Absolutely. Thanks, Lizzie. Stay tuned because next week we'll have a student athlete talking with me on Terps Talk just on their mindset and their perception of being a Terp and how they got to where they are and what keeps them going in the Terp mindset.